and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. I have had a passage of scripture on my heart for a long time. And so let's just go over there and look at it. Proverbs 17, 17. A good habit to get into is reading the book of Proverbs daily. In fact, you can read one chapter a day and knock it out in a month, which is kind of fun. Um, And so it's something that I do regularly. And when I was reading Proverbs 17, this scripture just stood out to me. And I knew it was uh, what I was supposed to talk about today. Uh, Let's look at it. Proverbs 17 and 17. A friend, I guess you could say a true one, a true friend, loves at all times. Your good times, your bad times. You're not so good times. Uh, you're in between times. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. A brother is born for adversity. It, it's very interesting. When I, I read the book of Jeremiah, he talks a lot about destiny. Jeremiah does, even his own personal destiny. And one of the things that God speaks to him at the jump in Jeremiah chapter 1 is this, is that before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were even in the womb, I knew you, which is an interesting thought. Like, I, in fact, even before service, like 30 minutes before I walked out, I was thinking about that, and I'm like, I need to meditate on that father. We know that there's life after death, that like when we die, he knows us, and we are with the Lord. To be absent from the body, Paul, Paul said, is to be present with the Lord. But what's interesting is he said to Jeremiah, before you were in your body, I knew you. And so children, and, and children in wombs and these types of things, are, are, are people with a purpose. They are born for something. You were sent here for something. Uh, you weren't just had. You were sent for something. But what this verse is tapping into is it's not just a something you were sent here to do on the earth. You are here for a someone, and someone is here for you. And not just here for you, but here for your adversity. Here for your pain. Here for your hard moments. And it made me ask when I was, you know, studying this for myself, do I know who I am here for? And I'll ask you that question. Do you know who you're here for? Fondren, do you know who you were born for? Do you know who those people are? How close are you to them? And are you giving them your supply? Uh, Do you know who was born for you? Um, There is nothing on this earth that God made that does not demand life from outside of itself. 
If you try to survive with just what is in you and you never eat, you never drink, you never take in anything from outside of you into you, it's not going to end well. God made you needy. Uh, if, you, if you ever wonder how needy you are, have a child. I am fascinated by how much my children need. It is prom season. I'm like, they want what for a dress? What? What? Uh, You know, all these kinds of things. Like, genuinely, uh, my children need a lot. And when we think of physical growth, we think about them needing less. And and thank the Lord, uh, they come to places where they need less time, attention. But do you see how needy they, they, they are? Well, Jesus said, unless you come to me, like what? A full-grown child who has facial hair. A child who's now learning to shave. No, he said, what? Unless you come to me as what? A what kind of child? A little child. Now, I ask you, for those of you, I just heard one, uh, For those of you who have a little child, how needy are they? Yes, woo is exactly right. We had a woo here at Lakeland, Vondra. I I have experienced that woo in my soul before. Late at night, woo, like they're not the only ones crying. Can I get an amen? It's like we just need sleep. Because of the need And Jesus said, when you're growing spiritually, you are actually growing to see how needy you are, that you need life outside of yourself. You need him. But he's just the head. You need the body. When Jesus goes to get the lost sheep, he does not just return the sheep to the shepherd. He returns the sheep to the flock. Why? Because we're needy. You have supplies that I need. Some of you were born for me. Literally, sent here by God for me. For some of you, I literally was born for you. Placed here on this earth because there is something I'm to get to you from him. One of the chief ways God blesses us is through the hands and lives of others. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Close enough to touch. And healing will come, he says. Pray ye one for another. Weep with one another. Rejoice for one another. There is no walk with Christ apart from his body. He is the head. We are the body. Each joint yielding a supply. Do you know who you're born for? Do you know who's born for you? And how close are you to those people? A brother was born for your pain. Born for your adversity. Uh, We see examples of this all throughout scripture. uh, But one that particularly piqued my interest around Christmas time, of course, was the the Christmas story. And so let's go over there and look at that real quick. Um, Go over to Luke. Uh, And let's look here in Luke chapter 1 and verse number 39. You know this story. It's the story of Mary and Elizabeth, their relatives, 
and God did this on purpose. Both of them are about to have something very supernatural come through them. They're going to produce something marvelous in the earth. John the Baptist and Jesus. God is sending these two people for very specific purposes that are powerful in his kingdom. But notice how God picked who they came through. He picked people who knew each other. Because you need people who understand your season of life. You need people who can understand you, and you need people you can be vulnerable with. One of the things that I find very interesting is how few people actually have people they're vulnerable with. Literally, literally, Scripture teaches you, teaches you and me to confess our faults one to another. When is the last time you did that? Seriously. Uh, We know. Pray with one another. Yes. Worship with one another. Yes, confess your faults to one another. (laughs) Tell them what's really going on in your marriage. What's really going on with your son. What's really going on with your daughter. Why? They have supplies for that. They have supplies for that. They were literally born for that. Born for your adversity. But we don't want them to know our adversity. We don't want them to know what we're facing. We don't want them to know what we're going through. And so in not doing so, we miss the supply that they are to add for that adversity. And and we're scared to be vulnerable, which is the whole purpose of life groups. The whole purpose of life groups is to not just get you in a place where you play basketball with somebody. It's that you, you reach a measure of friendship where you can be vulnerable take off your mask and invite the supply into your adversity. Because in, in the book of Acts, this, is, this was on my heart this morning. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3, the first miracle, you read about this guy who was lame, lame from his mother's womb. And he developed some friendships. And these friends, the Bible says, literally in Acts, every single day would leave him in the same place every day leave him in the same place drop him off to bag at the gate every single day left him at the same place and he's there until two men peter and john enter into the story they're going to church like you did today and in going to church they see this man he looks on them expecting to receive something from him and you know peter says this silver and gold have i none but what i do have oh i like he knew he had something what i do have I give unto you in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And immediately, get this, these two people brought a spiritual supply. Are they the healer? No. What did Peter say? Why look on us as that by our own holiness or power we made this man walk? They were a supply from the Lord. And the, the Lord worked through them To bring wholeness to this man's issue. Born for his adversity. And my question to you is, is do you have friends in your life who are leaving you in the same place literally every single day? Or do you have people who are taking you higher? My best friends are the ones who bring out the best of me. I don't want you bringing out my worst. I don't want to be around you and acting more foolish than I was before you. (laughs) 
I want my best friends to bring out the best of me. I want to handle my money better because of you. I want to be a better husband because of you. I want your prayer life to call me up higher. I want to be interested in scripture because you told me something and I'm like, I've never seen that before. I, I, I want to genuinely know the Lord Jesus better because you are in my life. I love the man born by four is they had friends who were not comfortable with their body in dysfunction. They picked him up and they took him to Jesus. They didn't take him to a gate to beg. They took him to the Lord. And my question would be, where are your friends taking you? And, and the reason why we're doing this in church is not just, I literally have no benefit in getting you in Christian connections, me personally. Um, you know, there are other values, like if you serve, which we, we need more of across all of our campuses, people yielding their supply to serve. It benefits me, I'll be honest. It, it makes our life as a church easier. It doesn't make our, our lives easier as a church to get you in Christian connections. In fact, it costs money to hire people to manage the system. So why would we do it? Because they literally say, you are like the five people you are closest to. Your marriage is like them. Your prayer life is like them. Your fitness is like them. And I know that like all those things matter, but you know what matters more? Godliness is profitable in all things. And if I can move you over into a place where spiritually you are growing, I know that it will impact every arena of your life. And so the goal here is for you to find Christian friends. People who bring out the best of you. Genuinely people who, when you're around them, you're like, I want to pray more. I want to know the Lord. And if you have Christian friends and that's not happening, why don't y'all meet together and talk about why? And take off the mask. And be like, the point of this is iron sharpening iron. That out of this, I'm getting ready for war. And it might not even be mine. It might be yours. I might be born for the next thing you're about to walk through. And when we get in that, you want a sharp blade with you. You want a sharp weapon with you. When you hit that with your kids, you, you want to be with a man who actually knows how to bring it down when they, when they shoot. Like, so you see God being specific in, in assignments of, okay, they need somebody. They need somebody who can understand them. They need somebody that they can be vulnerable with. And so when God is putting John the Baptist in Jesus on the earth, he picks relatives who knew each other. Not strangers. Relatives who knew each other. And, and watch the divine connection here. Luke 1 and verse 39. Now at this time Mary arose and went into a hurry to the hill country to the city of Judah... And entering into the house of Zacharias, greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, watch this, the baby, which is John the Baptist, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. What are you filled with when you're with your friends? Mary walks in a room, greetings filled with the Spirit. What are you filled with? Seriously, what are you filled with when you get around me? 
What do you walk away knowing more of? What do you walk away, I heard this in my heart, what do you walk away wanting? When you're with me, what do you walk away wanting? Wanting to watch, interested in, wanting to see, wanting to hear. Do you see, if we want to produce something divine, we need to be around something divine. Because you are only going to produce what you allow to be sown into you. And if you're frustrated with what is coming out of you, it's because you have allowed certain things to be sown into you. And so Mary here walks in, divine connection. The baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb. It senses the baby. The baby. John the Baptist senses divine connection with Mary and Jesus. The baby knew connected. This is assignment. And leapt in the womb. The baby knew it. Do you know who you need? Do do you know your assignment? You see, after this moment, John grows up and plays an integral role in Jesus' ministry. He is the voice that goes before him. He makes Jesus' life easier. Crooked places made straight. High places made low. Low places made high. He makes Jesus' life easier. Without John, Jesus, he would have done it. He could have done it. It would have been harder. Divinely sent here by God to make crooked places straight. He had an assignment in Jesus' life, a, a direct supply he was to add Jesus. And maybe that's why life has been hard for you. Is you're missing your supplies. Maybe that's why it's been hard for you. Because you haven't developed friendships with people who are praying for you. Friendships where you're vulnerable enough to even ask them to. And maybe that's why it's been hard. Is you're missing them. You're not inviting their supply. You're not inviting them in. Watch Mary's posture here in verse 56. And Mary stayed with her for about three months, then returned to her home. She she sees you're carrying what I'm carrying. The Spirit's working in your life the way the Spirit's working in my life. We need each other. So what do I do? I'm going to stay with you for three months. See, we don't have that. And we go right back to Genesis when God said, it's not good. He's alone. He's alone in wrestling with that. He's alone in thinking about that. He's alone in trying to figure that out. He's alone in trying to grow that. He's alone in trying to walk that out. He's alone in that issue. He's alone in that. And it's not good that he's alone. And sin and shame puts us right back there where where we have things going on with our health. We have things going on with our family. We have things going on with our marriage. We have things going on with our own personal discipline. And I don't want people to know it. And so I don't get vulnerable enough and I just stay surface. And everything's just so surface and everything's just so here. And there's nothing contending for the deep of you. 
And, and if you will allow that divine supply in and be like, you know what I think I need to do? I need the next three months. I need to get like in a life group or, or, or get in some friendships and for the next three months really go deep here. Not like hang around. I need to get around some people who understand my season of life. They got it. They were both pregnant. I need to understand, I need to be around some people who understand the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. That, that when I'm talking about this, they get it. I need to be around some people like that. For the next three months, I need to be around them. There's some, and I, I feel this in my heart. There's something God's been trying to birth out of some of you. And that you have been literally walking in the past month and a half. You have been walking through spiritual adversity to get it to be stopped from being produced in you. And there has been temptation, like random things pulling on your attention and your thought life to take you there. And it's because he's trying to stop you from producing the thing God has put in you. And you need in this season to be around the Lord, of course. We're talking about that already with prayer, fasting, and obedience. But you need to be around some others who can contend with you. Because where one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand. And you need for the next three months to be around some people who can bring out the best of you and help contend for what God is putting in you. Let's go over, I'll close with this, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. We're going to take communion today as well. Watch this in 1 Corinthians. Y'all have listened so well. No, it's true. It's true. I preach four times on most Sundays to different audiences and different buildings. It's, this, it's the same message, but it never is. Because utterance is directly determined by the hearers. If you want it, God will give it. If you don't, he won't cast his pearls before swine. And that's not God calling people pigs. That's God saying, if you hunger and thirst for spiritual things, I will fill you up. And it's very interesting when I sense my, my message coming from my head and my message coming from my heart. And it's neat when you're hearing things and it's like, I need to write that, that down later. Because it's not in there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, verse 1. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. How many people are, though, unaware of spiritual gifts? For you know that you were pagans. I like this so much. You were pagans, and you were led astray by mute idols. Now, just stop right there. This is a whole other lesson. What did he, he, he mock about their idols? Mute. They, they couldn't what? Talk. So he's saying, you were serving gods who could not talk to you. Now I'm going to talk to you about a God who will. One of the biggest lies that, that Satan has tried with religion to get people to believe is that God cannot and will not talk to you. And Paul's point here is you did serve mute idols. But now you're serving a God who is not mute. You have a God who can talk and longs to talk to you. And he's about to tell them some of the way he talks. And he says, here's, here's one of the chief ways God is going to talk to you. He's going to talk to you through others. That when others are talking, you are hearing him. 
and watch how he phrases this. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit, so notice that, God's talking, that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You know, that just makes you want to say Jesus is Lord over and over again. And it would serve you well in your home to just say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord over my living room. Jesus is Lord over my eyes. Jesus is Lord over my ears. Jesus is Lord over my appetites. Jesus is Lord over my desires. Jesus is Lord. Every time you say Jesus is Lord, you release a supply of the Spirit. And I'll take as much of that as I can get. Now watch this in verse 4. Now there are different gifts. Notice that. Gifts. I have a gift. You have a gift. They differ. There are different gifts, but it's the same spirit. There are different ministries, but it's the same Lord. There are different effects, but the same God who works all things, watch this, in all persons. So every person has gifts. Every person has a ministry. Every person has an effect. Now we know this. People affect people. You see this with your kids, for those of you who have them. For those of you who don't have them, you were a kid once. So you've seen this in your life. People have an effect on you. Who your kids are around, it has an effect on you. You know that. Why? Because you you have by God a built-in effect that you are to add to to your direct supplies. See, in a body, uh, there, there are members over here who are part of the body but are directly connected to other members that this part of the body has no connection to. And I travel and do missions all over the world, and I meet parts of the body, and I'm like, I didn't even know you were there. I got a hand I didn't even know about. This is awesome. But they're not directly connected to me. And we're all part of the body, but there are some that God has literally put here on, born for you to add a supply. And he says, you need, you need their effect. You need their ministry. You need their gift. You're needy. Get over it. You're needy. You need their effect. You need their ministry. You need their gift. He built this out, Father, in Romans. Check this out. In Romans, I'll put this up. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 4. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same notice... You have a different function than I do. The person on your right or left, they they have a different function than you. And he says, it's all members of the body. They have a different function. It keeps going here in verse 5. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ, once again, gifts, ministries, effects, gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each one of us is to exercise them accordingly. And he, no, he names some of the gifts. Prophecy. Uh, prophesy according to the proper, uh, proportion of his faith. Keeps going here. Service and serve it. Teaching and teaching. He who exhorts or encourages in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. Let him give generously. He who leads, leads with diligence. And he who shows mercy, let him show it with cheerfulness. 
Now watch this. He lists seven gifts here. Seven gifts. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, and mercy. Each one of these things are different. These are called the motivational gifts. It's not that you don't have these things. Uh, All of us have and should serve, teach, encourage, give. It's just that these people have a gift in that area, meaning when they operate in their grace, it motivates you to want to do it. You see someone with the gift of giving, man, their giving motivates you to want to give. You see someone with the gift of mercy, it's like, how are you so kind to literally everybody? I wanted to slap them, and you're taking up an offering for them. Like, mercy. Their mercy, what does it, it motivates your mercy. Someone has the gift of teaching. Like, you hear them teach, and it's like, man, it blessed you so much. You're sitting around the dinner table, and you're like, let me tell you what they said. Someone with the gift of prophecy, it's like, they're hearing from God, and it makes you want to hear from God. It makes you long for it. It makes you just want it. You get around people with that gift. It motivates you. And the issue is, is so oftentimes we'll take the people with the gift of giving and we, we lightly esteem them. It's like, you can't just throw money at everything. Leave them alone. They're in their gift. Or someone who's teaching, it's like, could you be quiet? Because we all have different supplies. Do you know yours? Am I receiving it? But not only do I have a gift, but I need these gifts in my life, which is Paul's point. And let's, let's finish out Corinthians and we'll sing, take communion. Watch what he says here in verse number 14. For the body is not one member, but many. The foot can't say because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. And notice he knows us so well. He's like, man, I wish I had that gift And the other gifts look at that. It's like, man, I wish I could sing like that. Or, oh, I wish I had athletic ability like that. Or, oh, I wish I could teach like that. He's like, no, God made you the way he made you for a reason. Because I'm not the hand, I'm not a part of the body or a less part of the body. In verse 16, and the ear says, because I'm I'm not an eye. I'm not that. Could you please stop looking at what you're not? Stop looking at what you're not. Start seeing who you are. We need your supply. If the ear says, because I wish I could be an eye, I'm not part of the body. He says, is it not this for this reason? Is there any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God, watch this, watch this. But now God has placed the members each one of them in the body where he wanted them. You are where you are because that's exactly where God wanted you. Somebody needs your supply there. And maybe until you give it, he can't take you where you want to be. Because you're looking at wanting the next job and God's like, at that job, someone needs your supply. And I got you exactly where I want you because they need what you have and when they have it, then you can move on. He places you in the body according to where he desires. If, if all were one member, if all were an eye, mean, uh, he's saying, where would the body be? But now are many members, but one body, watch this, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. 
On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker, watch this, are necessary. I I can't say to you, I don't need you. I don't need you. Yes, you do. I don't need church. You do. And it needs you. And they do too. So I want you to do three things. I I want you to pursue divine connections. You're going to have to find them. They're not going to fall on you. You've got to find them. Who needs you? And who do you need? Pursue them. Make it your mission to get as close to them as possible. Number two, when you pursue them and you connect with them, I want you to protect them. The enemy will do whatever he can do to get you offended at your divine connections. He wants you to stop talking to them. He wants you to stop being around them. He wants you to be around people who make you a lesser version of you. And he wants you intimidated about those who call you up higher. You need to protect those relationships. Do not allow division to come in into those relationships. Don't allow it. Kick the devil out of your garden. Don't allow him to be talking to your wife. Don't allow him to be talking to your husband. Kick him out. You need it. You, you need out of that, once you have pursued and protected those relationships, you know what you need to do then? You need to pour out and receive. Pour out and receive. They need your divine supply. In this season, there needs to be more collaboration than ever. And that's a word for businesses, and that's a word for people. More collaboration. More collaboration. Things working together. People working together. Present your issues to save people. Collaborate. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus said, there I am in the midst of them. Collaboration. Working together to produce a result. Collaborate. Work together to produce something. Work together to see a change in your children. Work together to see a change in your marriage. Work together. Take it to Jesus. Invite wisdom. Invite invite counsel. Humble yourself. And ask people to teach you what you need to know about money. What do you see in business? When you see this, what do you see here? Get wisdom. Get in, collaborate. Don't be a silo where there's no cooperation and no communication. Collaborate. It's a season for collaboration. There are things that are produced, without being too graphic, there are things that are produced through collaboration that cannot be produced alone. There's life that is produced through collaboration that can never be produced alone. It's a season of collaboration. It's a season of vulnerability. It's a season of inviting supplies. And so today at our campuses, I'll invite the worship team to come out at at both campuses today, Lakeland and Fondren. We want to take communion. And in communion, what we're doing is acknowledging the body of Christ and the blood that was shed for us. So today when we take of the wafer, and we'll do this during worship, If you didn't get elements, um, the ushers can give them to you. But when you you have the wafer, it symbolizes his body. And remember what he's saying here. Paul taught on uh, on, um, communion in 1 Corinthians 11. That you are part of the body. And and Jesus' body was broken. You break the wafer before you eat it. Jesus' body was broken so that now our bodies could be whole. But that does not just mean... My body physically is whole. We collectively are the body of Christ. And what I want you to look at today is who has division among you.
Where is there separation? Where is there something broken that needs to be fixed? Invite the Lord in there. Invite the Spirit of God in there. Invite, invite the Lord into those broken places. Come to a place of humility and say, I need, your, I need that supply there. And Satan's been after, I'm not going to let him have it. He's not going to have it. Jesus' body was broken so that now his body, we are the body, could be whole. And then the blood of Jesus is symbolized in the juice. And what that simply means is everything before this moment has been washed away by the blood. Receive forgiveness. Forgive the people who hurt you. Forgive the people who wounded you. And forgive yourself. So I'm going to pray over this. And after we do so, we'll worship. You can receive communion. Let's stand to our feet at all the campuses. Father, we come before you today and we thank you that the blood of Jesus does wash away our sins. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that sin has no part of us. We renounce it in Jesus' name. All across this room right now, if you want to. If you don't want to, you don't have to say it, but if you don't say it, don't receive communion. Just say this with me, if you want to. Say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord over my family. He's Lord over my life. He's Lord over my mind. He's Lord over my body. Jesus is Lord. And Father, we thank you. Jesus is our Lord. And so today, Father, we receive his broken body. We receive it, Lord, and we thank you. Any relationship that is broken is mended and healed by the power of your Spirit. Father, when we receive that uh, broken wafer, Father, let us put ourselves in remembrance of that, that your body was broken for us so that your body now doesn't have to be. And Father, when we receive the blood of Jesus, let everything that existed before this moment, every hurt, every wound, be forgiven and washed clean. In Jesus' name, amen.